Okay, we had a little talk about what happens if I get up here and it's 11.45, so I'm going to have to go with that plan. Uh, hi, I'm Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Letchman from Multiply. My wife Carol and I have been part of like SOAR programs for over 20 years, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to it as a church for like opening the doors, opening the space. Uh, you also are praying and providing for and, and just partnering with so many of our workers globally and right here with the EPS. Laverne, uh, Liana, just thank you. Thank you for having a global heart and uh, being a mission church. And uh, it used to be when we could sleep in churches, I would say that, you know, after 10 days, I often got to preach at the end in the church and say that if you think about it, and if I was sleeping in your church, I'd be 24-7 for 10 days straight. I've probably been in your church more than you have in a year. But uh, for all of us, it's like, no, it's, we, we, we're all happy to be back here in a space worshiping together. Revive. Revive is the theme that was chosen. And just so you know a little bit about how SOAR comes up with themes, uh, every year, um, like Ryan and Terry, what they'll do in the, when the SOAR program is over, right away they start talking to youth pastors and finding out what's happening in the heart of your ministry, what's going on. And so as the year goes on, as we get closer, about three to four months away, a team of people come together and they just share what is happening in the youth culture and the youth environment. And then we just do some prayer and, and scripture reading. We do a Bible study together over a couple of days, like not all together, but over a couple of days we do a Bible study too and just say, hey Lord, what is the word of the year that we should come forward? And Revive came forward and it's no surprise that the Lord is reminding us that we need to be revived because things feel dead. And who is Jesus? Jesus is a resurrection God. He takes what is dead and brings it back to life. Jesus is the big revival. And our key verse uh, for, for this time, we, we took a look at the Psalms in Psalm 85, and I don't have time to get into all of it, but like most Psalms, they're a chiasm. They start in one area, they go to this point, and then they go to another area. And the chiasm is incredible. It's this big anthem in Psalm 85 of how good God is. But when you get to the point... The verse that we have is, won't you revive us again, Lord, so that we can rejoice in you? There's all this complaining as we get closer to it. It's like, God, you're so good. And it's like, please revive us. And then it goes back to like, I know you're good. I know you're good. And so as we dove into that, a few things came to mind. And that is, um, isn't that like us? Face to face, God is good all the time. God is good all the time. And then you go, get out of church and you sit down and the first thing you want to talk about is all the stuff that's going on and won't God revive us again, please? And then we get back into our other situations. Oh yeah, God is good. God is good. Revive us. And yet we're all kind of suffering in some ways a non-revival, a bit of death. But we're Christians. We look through the whole scripture through the lens of Jesus Christ. And so we look through even this scripture. Won't you revive us again? And of course Jesus is going to say, yes, I'm going to revive you again. But we always want it instantly. And especially when we're working with youth culture, can't you just revive me right now? Right now. I want to be revived. I want to have that new step. So we got to think, what was the good news of Jesus? What was that good news message? And we know in Matthew 3 and we know in Matthew 10, he says, we have John the Baptist say this phrase, and we have Jesus say this little phrase. And they say, 
make sure that when you go out, preach the good news. And the first word is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within reach. The kingdom of heaven is right here. Repent. And Jesus knew that when he went out, people would hear that and be like, okay, this is good news. But for us, in our culture, and our time and day, we hear the word repent, and it doesn't put a spring into your step. It's like, oh, man, that doesn't sound like good news. So I just want you to reframe it, reframe it for how you may have heard Jesus say it, or John the Baptist say it, or the disciples as they went out and say it. And that when you take a look at the word repent, what does it mean? It encompasses so much. It means turn around. It means think differently. It means confess, oh, right, I'm going the wrong direction. Repent is listen and respond to the voice of God. Listen and obey because the kingdom of God is within our reach. Revival isn't something that is just way far away. Revival can happen in little ways and in big ways in our lives all the time. And we shared a little bit on on one of the evenings about if you just think about revivals, Scriptural ones. The big one is Jesus, dead, alive, forgiving us, bringing in a new kingdom, freeing us from sin. I, uh, one of the examples I used is Stephen. If you, I don't know if you know the story, but there's this guy, Stephen, in the Bible, a great disciple. They're looking for someone to take care of the orphans and the widows, and they vote him in kind of thing. But he has this, the story just kind of skips to his greatest revival moment where he actually looks up And he sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father and is just giving glory and dies two minutes later. And I'm like, what is going on here? And so what we've been doing a little bit at at looking at revival is it doesn't come instantly all the time. Sometimes it does. But revival is something that it seems to be that we always are anticipating and actually preparing for. So if you think about the disciples, when was their big revival moment? The disciples' big revival moment wasn't while hanging out with Jesus. The disciples' big revival moment was kind of like what we've been. They were hiding, cowering, stuck in a room together because the Romans were out to get them. The Jews were out to get them. And they're like, okay, let's pray. Let's worship. Let's do these things together. But within that, unknowingly, they had been preparing for revival by living life on life with Jesus for three years. They had been preparing for revival without knowing it by simply being together in the scriptures and praying. And then when the Holy Spirit came, what happened? They actually responded. They rose to their training, got out of there at nine in the morning and preached the gospel boldly. And many people came to Christ. This revival was something that happened because they had been in training. And just a quick soundbite to close up is that when you think about revival in our lives and you watch people, there's a principle there that I think that we can kind of flow through in many ways, and that is when revival comes, one of two things will happen. We will rise up to our training or we will sink down to our habits. And we have these wonderful examples that the disciples, it looked like they were about to sink down to their habits. Let's go fishing again. Let's forget this. But they rose up to their training. They didn't sink down. But the religious leaders at the time, what did they do? Acts 3, 4, 5, 6. 
all the way on. They got scared. They sunk down to their habits, tried to control things. They wanted to keep the economic base stable, all of this. And yet the church was doing the opposite. They were sharing everything that they had. They were taking care of one another. They were meeting. They were praying, and they were worshiping, and they were loving. We don't have time. I've got to shut her down. But um, training for revival doesn't look always like a beautiful sore program where you're being discipled. Sometimes it looks a lot different. Sometimes it looks like what it looks like in Myanmar and Thailand right now. There's a coup going on in Myanmar. There are people from Myanmar rushing into Thailand for safety. And just last week, Louise Sinkle-Preters was talking to my wife on Zoom, and she's like so excited. She said like, I saw four people heal today, but that's not the good news. The good news in the refugee camp is the Thai Mennonite Brethren Church has come to the refugee camp with medical supplies, with just willingness to worship and pray and be with people and help them out. That's revival because there is such a racial divide between Myanmar and Thailand that it's taken these 15 years when there's an absolute crisis for them to actually respond to their training and come and be a part of the reconciliation of Myanmar people as they come into Thailand for safety. It often happens through suffering. We know that even in Ukraine right now, we've been in Zoom calls with our Ukrainian MB conference, and they're, they're having a bit of a revival as they start rethinking life with war on their footsteps. And it's kind of like, in these times of troubles, we actually have this moment where we actually lean in to listen to the Lord, and it's like, okay, reminds us of Hebrews 12 a little bit about we got to see our troubles not as, as something from the devil always. Our troubles should be looked at as discipline, like a father disciplining his child. And the other word for discipline is training. Our troubles are training, and that is when things get tough, what's Jesus' training? Love the Lord your God love your neighbor. When things are really rough, God's just saying, can you love? Can you love me? Can you love others? Can you tell others about my love? Can you do this together? And revival is at within reach when we respond in that way. So those are just a touch of what we've been talking about. I hope it's an encouragement to you. Uh, if we have that last slide, I don't know, the last slide, I just had three points that I was going to get to, and that is really simply, like the psalmist, we need to all be earnestly seeking revival. Approach the hard things in life as training. And the last point is, like what the disciples did when the Holy Spirit came to them, they didn't stay in the upper room and just like, woo, this is fun. They got out on the street and shared it because they had this training. Jesus said four things over and over and over again, and they were really simple. Every time he ate, he took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he passed it out. And the disciples got it in that moment when the Holy Spirit came. Jesus takes me just as I am in all of my death. He blesses me, restores me to life, but then he breaks me. Why? So that we can get passed out for somebody else's salvation. Be encouraged.